under your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Whoa, is us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Jimmy Park. Oh, welcome. Vanilla fudge? Vanilla fudge. I felt like on a day that's so heated, people are... Many people. People I know on the right who voted for Trump. People I know who didn't vote for Trump. People on the left who are going to criticize him anyway. They feel embarrassed. I think it's a bigger subject than that, and that's why we need some vanilla fudge to kick us off. Listen to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. Alongside me, as usually is on Mondays, my good friend Troy. I really, I just love this song. It's so good. It's so good. Oh, I thought that would be a nice way to kick off the show. I knew the uh, Helsinki meeting was, would be today. And honest opinion, folks, uh, like I go into this not, I've already kind of made up my mind on Russia and the geopolitical stage. Like, and I was talking to Troy about it off air, and we'll get into it on air. But I have to say, Donald Trump, in my opinion, to put it mildly, did not perform well today. He did not look like a man in charge, in my humble opinion. He looked like he was boxed in. Like he went in there wanting to do the new relationship building thing. Then he was asked tough questions at the press conference. Questions you should expect to get, given that's been the narrative for the last two years, Mr. President. Instead of just simply saying, well, I, I don't necessarily, I don't believe Mr. Putin when he denies the allegations, you equate Mr. Putin to U.S. intelligence? You blame both sides? <sighs> it's just, um, it wasn't his best moment. I'll put it that way. I'll put it mildly. Yeah. I've heard harsh things from people who are, uh, I mean, who voted for him, really don't like what he's doing, said they're ashamed of it. Uh, not his best moment but I will say this and this is my perspective on the whole Russia thing I was just telling you about it Troy I actually wrote something up after the election and it was about copies of 1984 flying off the shelves George Orwell's famous novel dystopian novel and 
I immediately thought, especially in the case of the Russia meddling in the election, of George Orwell's favorite line of poetry. And it's from William Blake's Auguries of Innocence. A truth that's told with bad intent beats all the lies you can invent. And there's a moment. Chris Wallace of Fox News just interviewed Vladimir Putin. We interviewed him earlier today, and the interview was just broadcast. And he asks Putin about the hacking and the indictment. Actually says, President Putin, here is the indictment. Well, you look at it, and Putin kind of just sits back with a smirk. He goes, I'm not going to touch it. And then Putin says something interesting. He says, but was this information this that was hacked, I guess, by a Democratic operative's email, was it incorrect information? And I think what happened is the Russians were like, let's meddle. Like, we've tried before, but we didn't really succeed, but let's meddle. And they did manage to hack the DNC. Didn't cost them much. And it has been the narrative of the United States for the last two years. Troy, you're just saying off air, Russia's a joke. They're a joke. Their economy's a joke. They're they're pretty much relying on one thing, natural gas and oil. That's it. And the oligarchs that keep Putin in line, but we're too cowardly to take their money. Right. They are a joke. They came into this new century with this incredibly weak hand. They were in shambles, especially after Boris Yeltsin. And what does the United States proceed to do? We play our hand, which is a full freaking house if we were talking poker. Russia doesn't even have pocket twos. And how are we in this position now? I think we have to think broader than Donald Trump didn't do well today. He did not. But I think the invasion of Iraq was a huge blunder beyond just destabilizing the Middle East. So what you're saying right now is is you would rather move on from talking about Russia to talking about why Russia why Russia was is, so successful in what they did. Yeah, why Russia is continuing to play the United States like a fiddle. You're not going to let you're not going to give people the opportunity to vent their frustration. Oh, they have plenty of opportunity. Okay. I mean, they can call right now. And they have plenty of airwaves in other places. They have been for the last two years venting their frustration. Or supporting it. Right. And that's actually the point of that essay I wrote. Is that more than any lies or falsehoods or whatever, exaggerations that Donald Trump or the so-called media or the Democrats, anybody in the, playing this political game can invent bad faith and bad intent is our weak point in this country. To where the Russians can hack a stupid email account, sprinkle a few truths around, and Americans eat each other alive! And that's why Putin is smirking. I actually think this all goes back to bad faith that was initiated by Foucault. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. With critical thinking and the, the birth of identity politics. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of bad faith in identity politics. Oh, and I think it's beyond just the usual race and ethnicity and gender identity politics. Yeah, it's created a festering wound in this country 
And what Russia has done has exacerbated that wound. Oh, yeah. Actually, I, I will say they, they planted the seeds to exacerbate it, and we just, we just ate it up. Oh, man. yeah. This, this is my point. It's like I keep looking at this going, our true challenge in the next decades, our lives, Troy, is China. They're serious. And I don't think we're prepared as a nation. We're still obsessed, I think. With Prepared economically? Economically. I don't think our current military posture, I'm not calling for more of it. I think this idea that world just keeps sailing through international waters and push back the Chinese. So you think the way we're handling the South China Sea and its yes. myriad, at, myriad of archipelagos is, is bad? I don't think it's optimal. You would rather them have them? I think that's probably inevitable. I wouldn't rather. It's not what I would like. I think it's probable that China will end up controlling most of those. But the inevitability of something doesn't dictate whether or not you it's can good. provide some inertia to it. True. Well, no, and that's how I view China, is how do we peacefully manage their rise and make it the best possible way for us? If everybody wants to play dirty, why aren't we playing dirty? All we have we to are. do... All we, well, okay. All right, fine. All we have to do is be open and vocal about wiping out China's middle class. The only reason China, with over a billion people, hasn't had another political revolution, especially now that Xi Jinping is centralizing more and more power, He's is because now, yeah. they've had the rise of the middle class. The poor in that country have more money than ever before, yeah. and it's allowing them to travel. As a matter of fact, it's actually, it's probably creating prejudice globally because their culture and how they acted is incompatible with the West and portions of the East. I mean, there's there's all... T if you're not mega rich, there's all sorts of talk about Chinese tourists going around just taking a dump in the middle of the street. Mm. Like, really odd things that you would see and you go, hey, don't do that, and they don't speak English, and then all of a sudden you develop a prejudice. Oh, for sure. Right? So, we wipe out that middle class. We make it so they can't make that money. Mm -hmm. Xi Jinping is overthrown. It takes. It's going to take a couple of years, but it's it's probably that simple. The only, I mean, if you if you know you were, what if animates you were, the rise of Xi and the his party right now, what has given him all this momentum, what they teach Chinese children these days, is the century of humiliation. Century of humiliation. Yeah. So then, why did we as give Western them all sorts of production? The century of humiliation is what animates their party now. And this is what troubles me the most. Nationalism is on the rise. It's on the rise there. It's on the rise in Russia. It's what Putin is a strong man that keeps all that crap together. And President Xi is saying this as a strong man, now president for life of China. And they talk about the century of humiliation where Western powers came in and desolated China. The Japanese come in and desolate China. And they consider the Japanese a Western power? No, they... Japan's a whole other It's thing. just part and parcel of the century. Part of, of the humiliation, yes. I mean, and there were humiliating things that happened that the British did, whatever. You could understand why you're a nationalistic Chinese person, you're upset. But that's my point of bringing it up, is that's what he's using to animate and inspire the nationalism in the population. You know what would upset me if I were a Chinese citizen, but something that I probably wouldn't know about because the Chinese media refuses to acknowledge it? The fact that they used water hoses to wash down the bodies of the people in the Tiananmen Square massacre. Hmm. Nobody knows about that they over don't. there. They don't teach it. Right. Are you kidding me?
And so back to your point of playing dirty. That is the one thing I do not understand, is why aren't there unofficial groups trying to get this information into China all throughout Russia, all throughout the world? Oh, are, are we going back to airdropping pamphlets now? No, we don't have to airdrop pamphlets. We can set up bots and get past that great firewall. Yeah. Try to get information to people. We would, I mean, that would, that would probably require a greater understanding that I'm sure there are certain people in the intelligence sector that have of the China's social media network, whatever sure. that's yeah, called. More than I, certainly. Mm-hmm. Well, and I mean, if who doesn't hear you keep me hanging on by vanilla fudge and not yearn for some freedom? The whole damn song's about freedom. Yeah, but you hear yourself in that position or you hear that song and there's got to be. For the majority of the population that listens to that song by Vanilla Fudge, there has to be a moment in their life where they're yearning for something yeah, and they can't get it because something's keeping them around. Well, and it's even, and we'll see what happens with North Korea, but the fact that Kim Jong-un says to President Moon of South Korea, he likes the K-pop stars. I mean, that's, it's silly and it doesn't seem that serious, but your you're little Tim Pod dictator there. Likes K-pop. Likes K-pop. Yeah. I mean, and I think there's something about this idea of we should take pride in American and Western culture, open American and Western ideas. But here's the problem. Nationalism has not only just swept Russia and China, it's swept the West. But we don't have, because we do have robust debate in this country, robust and heated, not very well informed, and not taking the time to have long-form discussions, to where, okay, now people are taking their cue from that man on our television screen right there. For or against. For or against. Instead of figuring out how complicated this new world is becoming, we're yelling at each other about one figurehead. That's the majority of what our news is these days. So if it we doesn't were, serve us well. In this country, if we, you and I, were to pri- if we were in a position where we could prioritize what needs to be fixed first mm-hmm. and what needs to be fixed over the long haul... And I'm not saying that those two are two different things. Sure. What would you say? Would it be infrastructure first or education? I would say education. Be I would one. agree with you completely. We would have to, and this is well, this is what really irks me, mm. is it would have to be almost centralized in order to get all of the money and all of the hands in that pot out of it. Would you run into problems with centralization? You absolutely run into problems with centralization. Number so one over it, what's the, the curriculum going to be? Is it the devil you know or the devil you don't know? I think history has proven that the devil you don't know oftentimes tends to be worse than yes. the devil that you do know. So the real challenge then would be how do we fix this system without centralizing? I think you can actually go the other way. You can decentralize. Or put it this way, you can have central hubs of information, but the administration of it, of whether it's education or, or infrastructure, could be, all right, we'll have a central pot of money, we'll have a central place where people can actually check best practices, and this could be across the board, but the actual implementation of these things doesn't have to be from a central authority, probably shouldn't be. What could a central authority do that wouldn't be considered stepping on too many toes? I think the first thing would be to wipe out No Child Left Behind. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I, well, I would get rid of the Department of Education at the federal level. I really would. I would say is it, that... Is it because DeVos is a joke? 
Well, yeah, she is, but I think it hasn't served us well. Like since its existence, education hasn't gotten better by any means. No, and I think you can have a central idea without having a central agency that takes money from localities, gives it back to those localities, puts certain demands on those localities. The two biggest hubs of education are Texas and California because that's where they produce the the majority of the books. The textbooks, yes. And that's a racket. Right. How do we fix that? We'll be repealing laws. Yeah. Oh, I'm in a leveling kind of mood. It all all boils down. We got to get money out of hands of certain people Mm -hmm. willing to throw that money into the hands of people that make decisions for this country. And it takes the tough work of actually figuring out who's the state legislator in all the different 50 states that are making these decisions. But if you're a paid lobbyist, that job is very easy to do. Hmm. Maybe. It's super easy if if, if, if I'm getting paid to be a lobbyist for somebody. I have absolutely no problem digging up as much information as humanly possible that I can to make sure that what I'm lobbying for gets absolutely passed. But for you and I, who aren't paid lobbyists, who just sort of sit back in in the back of the class and see these problems, and we're like, hey, fix it. What are you doing? (laughs) Right. Well, I I want to step back for a second, because you said number one issue, and you gave me two options, education and infrastructure. If I really step back... My biggest critique of what's going on in the United States, especially when it starts to butt up against political decisions, is the bad faith, the identity politics. It goes beyond the left's identity politics of like and, and gender the rights identity politics. and the rights, but partisan identity politics. I'm yeah. a Republican or I'm a Democrat. I think we have to stop it with the bad faith crap, and we have to actually get to know our neighbors, and when people disagree, realize they're a person. I think there's too much at stake is why the gamesmanship is the way it is. Especially when it it appears that ego is one of the main influencers of how people dictate their lives in politics. Oh, yeah. Well, and I, for now, have been calling Donald Trump a chaotic good because I hoped it would make people who oppose him realize, hey, these systems that you seem to love so much, he's running them. Like you really want to give more power to this place where it's a roll of the dice, whether or not the person you hate and call a fascist or the person you love or Hillary Clinton or somebody else, you really want that to be the game we're going to play and how we build community in the United States? Yeah. It just seems that this idea of everything must be a nationalized issue, everything must be a decision at the federal level, is... Uh, it's not serving us well. And I'm not talking about the basic nuts and bolts of healthcare or education or infrastructure. I mean, just when people talk politics, most of the time they mean what they saw on cable news and what's the latest national political party talking points. And I think it's people renting out their minds to what's going on and not doing themselves. It, they're doing, the American partisans are doing the work of Big Brother for them, to bring it back to my 1984 point. Yeah. And what's the famous quote? Power is tearing people's minds to pieces and putting them back together again. Well, you don't need a big brother central authority to take you to room 101 to do that. Apparently, you just need a bunch of television stations. And television stations that insulate people. Yes, and essentially you do this. Power doesn't just corrupt 
it's obviously corrupted Putin. It's, I think, obviously corrupted President Xi and Kim Jong-un and all the central Erdogan. I haven't mentioned him yet. I think he's actually the scariest wild car out there. The president of Turkey, I think he is the scariest wild car. They're a NATO member. He's got neo-Ottoman aspirations. He's in the middle, like a key point in the world. Like he could really mess up markets, all this stuff. If he just says, march his army into Syria, it could, oh, Lord. He's the wild card. I, I just had to get that out. I agree with you, 110%. So why is Trump saying that he does the right things? Why does Trump say Erdogan does the right? That's what he said. It, well, I think it's the charm offensive. I, I, can't, I can't say I. I it's a I charm can't offensive. say it on the air. That's just yeah. It's my god. Yeah. But my point is, it's not I'm just sorry. the central strongmen who get corrupted. It's not emperors and kings and queens throughout history who get corrupted. I think the people, when you offer them more and more power, and you also offer them visions of power. It's not just oh, you'll be the one on this committee. You'll get to control the Agricultural Committee or the Appropriations Committee. Oh, it's not just, oh, your guy will be president. You've also crafted this grand story that we're the leader of the world, the sole superpower, the lone hegemon. All euphemisms for we have to be involved in everything in the world that's going on, which costs a lot of money and creates a lot of animosity out there. Even if we mean well, it might have good goals. Yeah. And you also have this idea that if we just get enough people to vote and work together, you can solve any problem. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it takes one guy to create something innovative and then other people to adopt it. Who knows how the future is solved? And I'm really not a pessimist looking ahead. Like, well, this is a heated discussion tonight. But we've talked about this before. Go back to the year 1900 as a time traveler. And the people go, oh, you're from the future. We believe you. What's going to happen in the next hundred years? Like, yeah, millions will die in two world wars. You have to deal with militarist Japan and Nazi Germany and the crazy Stalinist regime in Russia, Mao's China. All this stuff will happen. Millions and millions of people will die like never before in human history at the hands of governments. And then also, there'll be prosperity like humanity's never seen before. So I don't know what's going, going to happen. Nobody does. I just think the hysterics of the political partisan game, that's our number one issue to fix. Really is. Because it, I think yeah. it bleeds it. All other, like we want to have a discussion about education or infrastructure or foreign policy. I think you can't have a good faith discussion if the whole time, like say you're a Democrat, I'm a Republican, and we're actually activists, like trying to win elections. How can we have a good faith discussion if in the back of each other's minds is like, hmm, how do I screw this guy over in the public eye and make yeah. and win votes away from him? How can you have a good faith discussion doing that? Yeah. It's just not serving us well. I think some of the founders had it right that political parties weren't a good idea. And then it gets so bad that the people in the middle are ostracized <laughs> because they're like, I'd like to make my own opinions on this. So well, and they're just, called, uh, you know, like mushy and cowardly. Show, show me what you got. Yeah. And I'm, my only solution I've come up with for me personally is get my own house in order, get my own crap together, and then actually try to get to know people around me. Yeah. Stop worrying about all these potential monsters out there or the utopia that we might arrive at one day. Just figure out my own life, get to know people, and hopefully I get to know more and more people as my life goes on and I get better at what I do. And 
then you'll see opportunities that will allow us to actually fix things brick by brick, day by day. That's the best I've got. And I know that doesn't always give people hope, but uh, I saw a fascinating article last week. Now I'll have to look it up to get the exact quote. But H.L. Minken once talked about how answers have always existed. They've, and they're always concise. Answers to questions. To big questions, like okay. the ones we're asking tonight. Answers always exist. I'll, you know what? I'm not even going to say it now. I'm going to find the damn quote and actually do it correctly. We're going to hit this break. Before you hit this break, yeah. I also read an interesting article that was Stoics and existentialists actually agreeing on something. Whoa. That the meaning of life comes from within. And you mentioned that what you said doesn't give other people hope. Well, maybe or maybe not. Right. But is that your responsibility? Mm. If you do what you just suggested, get your house in order, don't you think that would create hope? Has it created hope in your life? Yeah, it has. A little bit I've changed my life for the better. It does create hope. I'm not as negative it as sounds, I was. And it sounds... Oh God, it sounds so pretentious for me to say that it allows for more self-determination, but... No, it, I think it does. And even if, like, and also, it's a type of hope where I, I don't think, like, I'm going to win. It's just that even if I, like, tragedy strikes again or I fail, it's like, well, at least I tried. Yeah. It's that type of hope. It's a weird, like, well, just give it all a good old try. It's not dependent on the fruits of labor. Yeah, it's not like the outcome. It's not outcome determinative. Yeah. It's like, no, it's actually about uh, the true struggle. Um, I think I found this article. It's actually, what I want to read is not the point of the article. It's more just a great point in general. I'm glad we played Vanilla Fudge tonight. It's heated tonight. Mm -hmm. Not between you and I. It's just, I heard from a lot of people watching this Russia thing go down. People I respect who voted for the president. Who thought, well, for lack of a better word, he was an embarrassment today. Now, I know there are folks who want to defend the man. I get it. This isn't coming from a guy. You listen to this show. I don't sit here and rail against Trump all the time. I don't. Because I think it's a waste of time. But it didn't look good today. Joey Clark.
But I found the quote I was looking for. Let's hear it. One is, first, just because H.L. Mencken was known for him, just throw away great little aphorisms. It's not answers. Explanations exist, says H.L. Mencken. They have always, they have existed for all time. There is always a well-known solution to every human problem. Neat, plausible, and wrong. (laughs) And then, you know, that's just Mencken, nice turn of phrase. But there's another guy, a professor of neurobiology, named Stuart Firestein. He has a book called Ignorance, How It Drives Science. And he writes this, quote, Questions are bigger than answers. One good question can give rise to several layers of answers, can inspire decades-long searches for solutions, can generate whole new fields of inquiry, and can prompt changes in entrenched thinking. Answers, on the other hand, often end the process. And I tend to think what everybody's looking for these days in politics is answers. In fact, there are examples, I just thought of this, like when I try to talk about like climate science and climate change, I've talked about it with my dad, going, I think the science is plausible. And he starts screaming about Al Gore. And then I'm like, well, damn it, Dad, stop watching so much Fox News. You literally fall asleep to it every night. But I'm also like, damn it, Al. Yeah. Why did you politicize this? Why must we use the, the UN and all the world governments to solve the problem? Why? Because then it immediately becomes a political fight on top of a fight over economic analysis, and the economic analysis is never, ever wrong. Then it gets into, like, well, it's true. So this presumes our political position is right. It just drives me nuts. There's a lot of, like, we have the answers, because we're smart enough, we're confident. What was making neat, plausible, and wrong? Yeah, and it's just that's why I'm, I'm focusing on me, focusing on my own life. Yeah, I've got. I avoid anything that Al Gore says. Right. And Michael Moore. Michael Moore occasionally will throw out a curveball, though. Like before the election in 2016, he's like, "Trump's going to win this." I think it's why Trump actually did win. Hillary didn't have much of a message. And she especially forgot about, like, Michigan and Pennsylvania. Hubris. And Michael Moore from Michigan called it. He said she's forgotten the working class. She's going to lose. He called it on Bill Maher's show before the election. I think that's why she actually lost. Yeah. I think the Russians meddled. But Hillary sucked. That's why she lost. Yeah. Ah. And it just uh, makes me want to focus on me for a second. Yeah. This next month, August. I think I've got a big move next weekend. We're moving all our stuff to the new place. we got the keys, but we haven't moved much. We've boxed things, these sort of things. After moving, August is going to be a month of bachelor parties. My God. Got one August 10th that weekend, starting that Friday, driving down to New Orleans. Good old John Hales. Mm -hmm. And I need some help, especially all you ladies out there. Saturday, the 11th of August, is going to be our main event. And it is the annual Red Dress Run Charity. Now, some people actually run in like a 5K or something. But everybody's, even if you're not running, hanging out. And the tradition is, all the men wear a red dress. And you essentially day drink and hang out. Or you run your 5K. But the men are the one wearing... The red dress. Yeah. Are you so, going to go heels too? 
No, I don't think I'm going to do heels. Flats, probably. Flats? Flats, probably. Yeah. I can't yeah, yeah. pull off heels. I mean, maybe with the yoga. Pumps? Getting some balance. Pumps might suit me well. I think so, too. I think it could suit me. I always want it to be 6'1". <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you, at, at and around 6'1", things that are waist height for most of the population are not waist height for you. Oh, really? Yeah. You're going to be smashing your... Uh, oh, no. Your uh, boys. Yeah. Oh, no. Your back's going to hurt from leaning over. Yeah. It's, it's frustrating. I remember you had that problem when we were uh, making the donuts. Yeah. You had terrible lower back issues. But you know who you should call hmm. regarding NOLA is Megan. Hmm. Yeah. I know you're. I know you're yeah, talking yeah, yeah. about. She used to hang out at the house of the buddy who I'm going later that month. Washington, D.C. Shout out to the Montgomery Regional Airport. They have direct flights to Orlando, and they also have direct flights to D.C. Yeah, usually, it, it didn't it just used to be like connecting flights to Atlanta and then yeah. you go where you need to go. Well, from I looked it up. I was like, I could leave Saturday, so I don't have to ask off for work. Um, and no, it was more expensive to leave on Saturday. And it meant like a three-hour layover in Baltimore. <laughs> what? Yeah, like, Why? Why am I in Baltimore? Couldn't you get from Baltimore to D.C. faster than... Yes! <laughs> so, like, so what, what is this? Just sitting around for a plane to go somewhere where I could just drive to, but the ticket doesn't... Inc- <sighs> so I was like, I have to do the direct flight. And they now have direct flights. That is really cool. But what I'm looking for, in particular, help from the ladies, is where do I get a red dress? I don't want a nice evening gown. I'm right. going to be out day drinking, possibly yeah. running around in this thing. Yeah. So, not super nice, no. but also not made of, like... I don't want it to be see-through, no. Like, oh, gosh, what is it called? It's a blend of fabrics. I can't even think of it. No, we're not sartorialists. Lycra? Lycra? No, that's that's like a windbreaker. You don't Spandex. want a windbreaker dress. I'll think of it. Yeah. It's a, it's a mix of, like, natural and unnatural fabrics. I'm just wondering, where can I get a cheap red dress? For me. And it's not like there's a red dress store. No. No, I'd imagine there are stores I could go to. There's, I there, you know, there's probably a boutique in Old Cloverdale. Yeah. Reasonably priced. I hope. <laughs> I would hope. Now are you going to wear, wanna, wear a slip? A, what's a slip? It's, okay, so some dresses that are see-through, they have a bit of fabric underneath them mm-hmm. near the, the private area. Yeah. Usually it would just be a, it's called a slip. It would just be like almost a skirt underneath the skirt of the dress. Okay. So that people don't see your bits. Oh, yeah. And pieces. I was just going to wear compression shorts. That works too. I mean, that's, yeah. you know. They're nice and comfy. You know, I'm, I imagine if you're going to be running around all day, you know, compression shorts are nice. Yeah, moisture wicking technology. Oh, yeah. And gold bond. Yeah. Body powder. Yeah. I, I've found that. You actually use the powder? It's a body powder, not the foot powder. Oh. But at work. Our AC was down. And we had these 500-degree ovens running, so it was like 89 degrees in the kitchen, plus the ambient heat from the 500-degree ovens. Mm. So we were just melting. Okay. And gold bond. Oh, it saved you. It, and it's slightly mentholated, so it was like... Hmm. It's crisp. Hmm. I think that would be a good description of a crisp. But I'm, I'm a little worried with these bachelor parties, because when it comes to drinking these days, I'm a lightweight. Yeah. Like, and are they going to expect me to, like, really throw down? We're going to go on, like, a two-day bender here? Because you know me. Like, I'll fall asleep. I'll do things that I'll feel very guilty for the next day. Yeah. 
I got to prepare, I guess. Maybe you should be the responsible one. Mm, I should be like the, the dad of the group, even though I'm not the one getting married. Well, maybe get the lay of the land. Maybe. Yeah, I think that's correct. Get the lay of the land. You know, show up, is the vibe the hangover, or is it something else? I think the one in D.C., the vibe's the hangover. Okay. <laughs> they can NOLA, we'll have fun. We've got a home base down there, too, that's going to be some nice hotel. Uh, like the Hilton on the riverside down there. Not not bad. So I'm spending a little money, but it's for friends that I don't get to see all the time. And they're yeah, getting should married. Be, should and be a great time. Should be a good time. Should be. Well, let's see who was on the phone. 27292. Late in the day, 27292. Who's this? You're on there. Joey Little Kenny Molinax oh, here. Okay. How are you? I am fantastic. And how are you? Congratulations on your own show. It's about time. Oh, thank you. Uh, but uh, I'm a little confused. So I got in the car. The radio was not quite loud enough. I didn't hear you soliciting a red dress. Yes. I'm taking part because it's a bachelor party weekend. The red dress run down in New Orleans. I need a red dress. Oh, oh okay. Okay. I have been down there for that before. Mm. And uh, it's crazy. I... Uh, Nice. I uh, have it uh, myself. I'm a very, I'm very ugly in drag, so uh, I uh, I haven't put on a red dress. But that uh, surprises me. That surprises me with your felt figure. You know, you're so kind. I would, uh, I kind of look like Coach Bryant in drag. <laughs> 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 I were to do that, but anyway. That's a lot of fun. Are you familiar with New Orleans, Joey? You know your way I've, around? I've been there twice. Yeah, I, I've enjoyed it. Well, I don't know I, it in I like... Own, I own the city. Oh. <laughs> uh, pun in, no pun intended, but I used to uh, uh, be an aide to uh, the congresswoman from New Orleans, Lindy Boggs. So I know my way left and right off air. If you need to know any good places to go... Okay. Uh, I know all the policemen and all the bad people, so uh, best place hit me up beignets. off the air, well, best... and I'd be glad to uh, oh, off think if there's a good place to eat that's either really fancy mm. or uh, there's a dive. I know them all, and, and New Orleans is such a wonderful city. I'll stop at this because I sound like I'm with the NOLA Convention and Visitors <laughs> Bureau, but going to New Orleans is a lot like going to Europe, and it's just a wonderful place, and uh have fun for me, my friend. I will. I appreciate it, Ken, and I'll hit you up for some suggestions off air. All right, big guy. Right. Bye-bye. Thank you. I like that guy. He's been calling for years to all the different shows. Mm -hmm. He knows some people around town. If he's got the hookup on beignets. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, look at all these calls coming in. Look at this, but you tell a group of people that you're going to be in drag, and all of a sudden you're the most mm -hmm. popular man in Montgomery. They don't want to hear about Russia and China and what's wrong with our political process. No, they want to hear about me wearing a dress. Yeah. Well, I, it will look good with my long, luxurious hair. Ooh. You're yeah. going to let it down? Yeah, I'll let it down. I'm probably oh going to cut goodness. so the ends aren't okay. all split as yeah. much. Yeah. It's going to be a little just confusing for some people, especially because I got this yoga body going on right now, too. And the beard. I'm going to look good in drag. <laughs> but this is now, based on your suggestion, going to be like probably the theme of my bachelor party saga. Billy Emotions Squire. In <laughs> Emotions in motion. Does this not sound like Dragon Attack by Queen? It does! It does. 
And there's a synth that is queued up with like a clavichord sound. You'll hear it. It's, it. They're very subtle with it, and they don't use it much. Right, Billy. Did you hear it? Did you hear the class? (laughs) Man, that's going to be my theme riding down the New Orleans. It's good. I don't know how many times I'm going to play it on repeat, but a lot. It, it, but it's calling for Brian May. It is. It doesn't have a good, tasty solo. Oh, no, it's good. Um, but it's, not but it's, not, good. it's not dragging the text. Okay. Well, here, let's go back to the phones, 272-9228. Let's see who this is. Oh, nobody. 272-9228. Hello? Hello? Yes, you're on the air. Um, repeat performance on Mulberry Street, consignment, free love. Try that for your red dress. Oh, and I'm sorry, I didn't catch your name. It's Lynn. Lynn, so you're saying on Mulberry Street there's a boutique. Repeat performance mm-hmm. and consignment? Cool. It's a consignment shop, yeah. Okay, and so I could get a... What type of dress... I don't know my dresses. What type of dress would you suggest out in the hot, humid heat of summer in New Orleans for a man to wear? Something cool, cotton, a sundress. A sundress. A uh-huh. gift, a little chemise. Okay. Should should he go with flats, pumps, or full high uh, heels? Honey, I wear four inch heels. Go flats. <laughs> <laughs> I, hear I think you. you got your answer, Jeff. I think I did. Thank you so much, Lynn. All right, you're welcome. You can't find anything there. There's one out in Prattville, Millbrook area called. Uh, let's see, that's Rethreads out there. Nice. Great stuff. I, I really appreciate the tip. Thank you. Thank you so much. I uh, I, I feel a little weird about this. Really? Dress shopping? I think you should feel good. There's nothing wrong with being the bell of the balls. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you're right. <laughs> These multiple balls I'm going to. Like two different. Well, I'm not wearing the dress, but for one. Doesn't mean you can't be the bell of the balls. Uh, yeah, true. True. But they're going to be so many. It's not just going to be Joey and drag. It's like it's a thing all the men do. And, you know, you're not going to be wearing, like, concealer and makeup no. and stuff. No, I'm rocking the beard. I might not even wash my face. <laughs> so I can get away with that. I do feel bad for women sometimes. There is that yeah. expectation. Yeah. Like, they feel bad. I've talked to some of them. I've actually started to talk to women. And uh, sometimes they get really self-conscious going out in public without wearing any makeup. You know what my problem is? Hmm. I... When I talk to women and they tell me about their problems, I want to fix them. You want to fix the problems? And it's a common criticism of me that Mm. I shouldn't be looking to fix them. Instead, I should be looking to listen. Yeah. And and I'm like, well, I'm doing that. But I'm I'm also trying to be helpful, but that's not... Me trying to be helpful is me listening. I've heard you, so let's solve the problem. Yeah, let's... We're not supposed to do that. Oh, we're just supposed to be like, oh, yeah, that sounds tough. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well. That Jenny sounds like a real... Yeah. Yeah. What a bee. Yeah. Yeah. She did what? Oh. Wow. She She said what about you behind your back to all the other women at work? Yeah. What a bee. I think I saw something like that in One Tree Hill once. Yeah. Yeah. 
Remember how we used to get drunk and watch that? Yeah. But and, it was good. And root for the bad guys? <laughs> it was good. And they would always play Led Zeppelin? Yeah, it was good. It was very good. Well, I feel like we've solved all the world's problems. No, but people can let out frustration. You asked earlier, can people not let out frustration? They can, but I think that's all they do. Most yeah. people who consume national news. I'm just trying to give some perspective from my point of view of how is it that this keeps happening? How are the Russians with that crappy hand continuing to beat us at the table? Yeah. It's sad. Russia, the country, has a crappy hand, but I think Putin is like the richest man in the world. Oh, he is. By far. Gotta be. When he claims he lives this monk lifestyle. Sure, Putin. Yeah. Sure you do. And he, like, watching him today with Chris Wallace, it's like, he knows what he's doing. Mm -hmm. And, like, Wallace continued to push him, and Putin did become, you could see he was actually angry. He's like, let me finish. Like, kind of leaned in a little bit. Let me get to my point out, and then I'll get to your other question. I was like, oh. Yeah. Oh, there. Chris Wallace is going to die by suicide with two bullets to the back of the head. And so, no, wait, did he piss off Hillary Clinton? <laughs> oh, you're right. Sorry. Yeah. It's going to be polonium tea. Exactly. Yeah, the Russians, they're a little more creative with their assassinations. We've got to give them that. Yeah, a little loose, though. Yeah. Yeah, it's not exactly clean. Well, and then a hot tip. New hardcore history out. Yeah, on the on Japanese rise in World War Two, was it? Yeah, or yeah, so? or a little before the World Wars, uh, late after they were opened up by the West and by America in particular. So after the fall of the Empire, the Rising Sun. Yeah. Okay. And it's fascinating. And one point he makes, and it's he always draws these points out for me that I'm like, that's awesome. Yeah. He's like, okay, they saw images. Like one guy took a photograph of. Uh, Japanese citizen being decapitated, like as you know, that was his capital punishment. And Americans and people in the West were horrified, being decapitated with a sword because he was a deserter. It's like, wait, 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 wait. Wouldn't you, in the World Wars, Americans didn't we shoot deserters? Yeah, it's apparently. So is it better to be shot in the head or cut your head off? It depends on the blade. Does to play, yeah. That I does. mean, I've seen plenty of horrifying jihadis with really dull blades. Oh God, I, I wish I hadn't watched some of those videos. Yeah. <sighs> well, good show. Good show.